Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. What if we had a show about solutions? You know, a repair manual for the real world. Not the same old left versus right. I am right, right. and you are wrong. Boring. (laughs) Yeah, something new. Yeah, something new. How to make the world a better place. Yeah. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? Until now, Jim, we haven't really done a political show. Uh, We've been talking about debt and parenting, and yeah, we did Philip K. Howard on how your taxes are spent, but this show could be a real hot controversy. And the question is, could Google throw the election? Yeah, it's a really interesting hypothetical, and I think a really important one. I mean, if you look at it, more and more of our whole view of the world is coming through these huge digital services, especially Google, but also Facebook and Twitter, that control a lot of our information, whether it's through search or through our news feeds. And very often, they're trying to tweak those algorithms ostensibly to help us get better information, but uh, but it could control what we see. And you don't have exactly the same view of the world as I do, and your search results could well be different. You'll get different information on your search engine than I'll get on mine. So Robert Epstein, he's an eminent psychologist who did a study that showed that in certain situations, the rankings of searches of candidates could have a big effect on how people vote. And it's really um, ominous, and I'm really looking forward to getting into it. So Robert is an author, editor, longtime uh, psychology researcher and, and professor. He's also a former magazine editor-in-chief. Uh, he was editor-in-chief of Psychology Today. Which means you like him. Right. Because you're a magazine guy. So, Robert, great to have you on the show. Robert, let me first ask you, Google, which controls, like, I think it's 75% of all searches. Is there a concern there? Well, yes. First of all, that 75% figure only applies to the U.S. Uh, In most of the world, uh, Google controls 90% or more. Now, the search that I get and the search that Jim gets and the search that you get are all different. Can you explain that? Well, that's not always true, but Google has moved uh, very openly uh, in the direction of customizing search. Uh, But yes, they're moving more and more in the direction of knowing exactly who you are, uh, which is through your IP address and through cookies they place on your computer, and giving you rankings that are just for you. My sense is when I go to search something, I want the most straightforward 
unfiltered results that you can get. And the idea that because of past searches or the blogs I read and stuff, I'm getting things that are tailored to me, it undermines my ability to find out things I wasn't looking for or things that might surprise or challenge me. A book came out a few years ago. It's called The Filter Bubble. talks about this you know, in very general terms. And research I've been doing suggests that this tendency is extremely dangerous. Uh, there is a problem here. There's a problem in, in, in basically in the monopoly on search uh, that this one company holds and a special danger uh, given that they're customizing what people see. Yeah, let me just ask you to lay out an example. For instance, I'm a conservative and ha <laughs> for the argument <laughs> well for the for the for the purposes of arguments, let's say I'm a conservative okay. and I'm very much opposed to women having the right to have an abortion, okay? And then you've got other people on the other side, liberals who are very much in favor of that, say, would my search, how would my search be different well, from, from, say, Google or Facebook or Bing or any of these other outfits? Well, more and more and more, you, uh, if you looked up anything related to abortion, uh, you would be seeing things that, like Fox News stories. In other words, more and more As and more. As a conservative, yeah. Yes, you would be seeing things that, that support your view of the world. And if I went in as a pro-choice person, I would see more and more things supporting my view. So we would be locked into a world of information that just confirms our biases. And of course, that's exactly what psychologists call this. It's called confirmation bias. And, and we'd be just locked more and more into our very narrow views. And then if you look at our social networks, that tends to do that anyway. You know, I mean, you know, Facebook's done a lot of work on manipulating the news feed and, and how they filter the stories you get. And very minor adjustments in that could have huge effects on the news you see, which in turn affects your your perception about about politics. Robert, you've talked about perception and how our our views are, are built from past perceptions and experiences. Uh, well, sure. One of the problems here uh, is that people have learned to trust these search rankings so much. And no one's really studied this per se, how this happened so quickly and how it became so widespread. But people have learned to trust these search rankings so much that if they believe that some omniscient, infallible intellectual force has examined all knowledge and has decided these are the best bits and I'm putting in in exactly the right order. Well, let, let me interrupt for a moment sure, sure. just to explain what are search rankings. Well, when you type in anything under the sun, in fact, you could type in anything under the sun. You could type in anything. Uh, and you'd get Ecclesiastes, I think, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, depending. But point is that you're, you know, you're going to see in an, in order uh, links to web pages, and they're in an order, and that's called the ranking. And that order is determined by an algorithm, which is a very secret algorithm, which is constantly being adjusted by uh, Google staff. In a way, no one really understands. It's not. It's not transparent. And uh, that ordering, we have come to believe, is somehow infallible. And so as a result, 50% of all clicks go to the top two items, and more than 90% of all clicks go to the items on the first page. And almost, and almost no one ever goes to the second That's page. That's what I'm saying. Right. So, so if I type in, for instance, who's running for president, it could come up as Hillary Clinton 1, uh, Donald Trump 2, and 
so on down the line. So if you're, for instance, interested in Carly Fiorina, it's on page two, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Uh, you could end up with the top, you know, three or four all being very pro-Hillary Clinton or all being very pro-Donald uh, Trump. And you have no idea how this is occurring, how, did, how these things got here. But what I'm saying is people believe them. It impacts not just consumer choices, which has been known for a while. It turns out it influences how people think what they believe, and even how they vote. So talk to us about your study. How, how did it work exactly? Well, we have a, a, a big study that's going to be coming out soon uh, with five experiments of the more than 4,500 participants in two countries. Uh, so very well done, randomized, controlled experiments in which we show that when you bias search rankings uh, to make one candidate look good, uh, that easily shifts more than 20% of undecided voters toward that candidate, easily. And in some demographic groups, and by the way, uh, the most vulnerable group turns out to be moderate Republicans, believe it or not. But in some demographic groups, you can shift as much as 80% of undecided voters toward one candidate. And the creepiest thing about this is that almost no one whose views are shifting as a result of search rankings is aware that they're being manipulated. They can't see it because, you know, uh, if there are two different billboards coming at you, one for, you know, uh, the Democrat and the other for the Republican, you know, you, you know someone's trying to manipulate you. But if you're just looking at search rankings, you don't know. You don't see the pattern. People can't see patterns. And of course, you have this belief in the infallibility of the rankings. and. That's that. You it, just... it, it sounds a bit like con conspiracy stuff, though. I mean, Google and other companies, they're out to make money. They're, they're not political organizations, are they? I can tell you, number one, all companies do tend to be political to some extent. I mean, for example, uh, in the last presidential election, Google and its top uh, executives are known, it's been documented, known to have uh, donated more than $800,000 to Obama. Google CEO was actually in was in the war room in uh, you know the big data their famous the cave their big data operation that was so successful in the 2012 election. Oh yeah, they uh, helped. Schmidt him. was there. Yeah, he yeah. was in the room. I, I would submit that if his name was Eric Koch, there would have been a lot more attention to this. Sure, uh, sure. Th to this issue. What I'm saying is, you know, companies do tend to support candidates that they feel will will be good for their business. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing actually illegal about that. But what I'm saying is that there's, there's something happening here that's never been possible before in, in human history, never on this scale and never so invisible. And that is if Google executives also wanted to support the candidate by shifting undecided voters by the millions uh, toward one candidate, they could do so using search rankings and no one would know. Well, let's get on to the solutions and mm. what you think should happen. Yeah, it, what do we do it, about it, it? It strikes me that one thing that should happen is greater transparency. Well, transparency uh, would certainly help a lot because right now it's at zero. Uh, yes, uh, you know, there'd have to be some regulations or Google would have to step forward voluntarily. 
And we want to, we'd want to be assured that no one is deliberately messing uh, with rankings. But it turns out that even if executives aren't doing this, the algorithm is doing it right. all It may by not even have to be intentional. It that's might, right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, we'll explain that. Yeah. Well, one thing I've always thought, worried about is uh, you hear a lot about, okay, we want to improve the quality of results. Facebook talks about the quality of the news and the news feed. And how can we eliminate some of the, the misconceptions or errors that shoot around the web? You know, you could imagine an algorithm that filtered for authoritative sources like the New York Times tended to screen out wackier, what might be perceived as wackier sources. But at the same time, that's also a lending more prominence to sort of mainstream journalistic viewpoints. And some of the skeptics and critics on the margins on both sides, their important valid critiques don't get seen. And sometimes I think ideas that challenge your comfortable perceptions are some of the most important things to find on the web. So I can imagine an algorithm created for a perfectly good purpose actually narrowing the range of information available to voters. Our data suggests that, in fact, even without Google executives, uh, the algorithm has been determining the outcome of close elections around the world for years, with increasing influence every year as internet penetration grows. Could I ask you about the study that you did in India? Yes, one of the most recent experiments we did was with more than 2,000 uh, eligible, undecided voters in India. They're throughout India. And the reason why this study was very important is because we did this during the big Lok Sabha election there, which is the largest democratic election in history. And boy, in India, they take democracy very seriously. Uh, and we uh, uh, basically got these people uh, to look at search rankings that we had fixed uh, to favor uh, one candidate or another, the three major candidates. And we found very easily that we could shift the voting preferences of these people uh, by 20% or more, on, in this particular case, by up to 70% in one demographic group. Uh, just by altering search rankings. That's all we did was alter search, search rankings. The reason why this particular study is very important and exciting is because these were real voters in the middle of a very intense election. Who Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We're being subjected to all kinds of influences. But we've actually done experiments more recently uh, looking at deliberate ways in which we could mitigate this effect. So, so how could you well, change we've, this? Well, we've experimented with putting warnings up at the top saying that it appears that the rankings you're seeing below are biased in favor of Hillary Clinton or whatever it may be. 
warnings at the top do make a difference. Putting warnings on each particular search result actually make a bigger difference in suppressing the effect. Is this a little bit more like what Wikipedia does where, you know, you go to Wikipedia yes. and you search something and there's a little annotation that says, you know, this has not been properly checked out or yes. they flag it. They say this is controversial. I mean, they're, they're, they are pretty transparent at Wikipedia. Absolutely. And so we've been experimenting with exactly that kind of thing. And it turns out it does make a difference, but doesn't get rid of it. It would still be possible to flip elections, it turns out, even with these kinds of warnings. The only way we have found so far to pretty much obliterate the effect is with basically an equal time rule, an equal time add-on, if you want to think of it that, that way, an add-on to a browser that literally alternates, at least on that first page, it has to alternate results that favor one candidate or the other. Uh, technically speaking, by the way, it could be done. So in other words, if you searched podcasts on some searches, how do we fix it would come up above serial in this American life. <laughs> yeah, well, in, dream. in your dreams, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so who, who would make that happen? Uh, in theory, you know, companies could do that voluntarily. Uh, I don't think Google is about to do that. But, you know, regulators could make this happen. Uh, there's ample precedent for that. Uh, right now, regulators in Europe have come down very hard on Google. Uh, they're facing billions of dollars in fines there. For doing what? Ah, for biased search rankings. Usually we also look at what individuals can do. What can we do as consumers, as, as users of search? It turns out there's a lot. Uh, most people are completely unaware of the possibilities, but uh, you know, I have not received a targeted ad in a year and a half. Now why? Because I use a proxy. And they're what, what's a proxy? Well, a proxy is kind of a, 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 a middle person, a middle computer. Uh, there are free proxies, uh, lots of them. Uh, and there are also paid proxies. One is called Foxy Proxy, which, uh, which is simple to activate if you're using uh, Firefox. Uh, so proxies help a lot because it makes it harder uh, for any company out there to identify you. Uh, you well, know. Robert, one thing I noticed is, you know, you, you sort of opt out of the whole Google, the Googleplex. I mean, we're all, so many of us, we're on Gmail, we're using Google for our calendars, for our maps. Aside from just influencing a, a, an election, you know, the mass of information, the greatest spy agency on earth didn't know as much about any individual as Google knows about all of us. You know, they know exactly where I drove this weekend. Oh, they, uh, they, they know more than you think yeah. they know. And, and, <laughs> um, and, you know, if they wanted to, again, I, I'm not accusing them of something that's extreme, but, you know, if they wanted to destroy a candidate that was, you know, arguing that Google should be broken up or something, boy. It would be a pretty big temptation. They would certainly have the goods. We're talking a lot about Google now because yeah. they are the dominant player. Right. right? This right. isn't specifically aimed at Google. Right. I mean, I mean could, you know, could you could have the same concern about Facebook, about Twitter. Right. right. Uh, but it's a very or, few. Or earlier about Microsoft you, you when know, they were in the, greater the, power. The great digital visionary, Jaron Lanier, who wrote the book You Are Not a Gadget and, 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 and Who Owns the Future, he talks about what he calls sirens, the siren servers. You know, this in this world that we imagine the web would have this huge variety and everyone would have a voice 
voice and there'd be so much variation. And in fact, it's coalesced in just a handful of these mega companies, mm. you know, Apple and, and Facebook and Google that, that control so much. So you're an advocate for, break, for breaking that up yourself as a consumer. Like I know you're not on Gmail, you know, you're like the only person I know. Right. And, and I try to get people off of Gmail because, uh, you know, and I've written about this. What Google does with your Gmails is unbelievable. I mean, they keep copies of all of your drafts. You know, those angry things that you decide I'm not really going to send, doesn't matter. Every single search term that you type uh, is saved. And when you use Gmail, anyone who writes to you who's using another e email service, that gets saved and analyzed uh, by Google. So, you know, you, you can use Google services, believe it or not, without putting yourself into so much danger, into so much jeopardy. You, you can use something called StartPage, for example. That's what I use, startpage.com, mm -hmm. which, which uh, does not track you. It gives you full access to Google search results uh, without tracking you. You can use DuckDuckGo. They don't track you. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of options. The problem is, you know, people think Google is so cool that, uh, you know, everyone wants to use Google. There is a change. There is a change out there. The, the, the Pew Research people uh, very recently have determined that, uh, you know, because of revelations by Edward Snowden and others, that the general public now is getting concerned. 91% of the American public is concerned now about these invasions of their privacy. And they're wondering what's happening all, with all this data. So, you know, we could see regulation. We could see big change. It's possible. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll end on that optimistic note. Dr. Robert Epstein, thanks very much for joining us on How Do We Fix yeah, It? Yeah, fascinating. Thanks Thank for you both. Being here. So really fascinating discussion and, and, and interesting ideas. I do feel like as, as someone who's a really digitally oriented person myself, we also have to step back and look at the positive side of the digital revolution overall. I mean, there was a time when, you know, you had the big three networks and a handful of newspapers and most media represented a kind of just mainstream centrist position. And, you know, oddball out of left field ideas uh, or contrarian perspectives. You had to go to like an alternative weekly or something to find those things. So I think in the aggregate, the, the digital revolution has done wonderful things to bring different voices to the table. I mean, just, you know, in the early days, the whole rise of blogs, social media, I follow all kinds of people on Twitter that alert me to things that I, I wouldn't see otherwise. So this is a concern, but it's a concern that we have to also see in, as, as part of an overall revolution in access to information that's mostly for the good. And also, I really don't want to push a conspiracy theory here. I don't want to say Google is evil or Google is fixing the results of the election. I think the whole point of this program was to well, say, he didn't say it's that. possible, he, he said that, that, it's possible. that might happen mm -hmm. in, in the future. Right. Or that because things aren't as transparent as they should be, we don't know enough right. Right. about how search engines work. I think right. that's perfectly fair. So Now, he's very focused on search engines, but I think he the, the topic raises a broader issue, which is how not just Google, but also especially Facebook, how they shape the flow of information that comes to us. More and more, they want to get involved in our newsfeed. They want to tweak it. They want to make it better for us. You can imagine ways that they would try to do that that would 
tend to limit certain types of information. And not because it's a conspiracy, not because they're trying to affect a particular election, but just they're, they're trying to make it better. But by making it better, they may eliminate those contrarian voices, the, the ideas that you're not going to see from the New York Times or Huffington and Post. And as soon as anybody tries to tweak or change information, there's some bias involved because all of us are biased. All journalists right. are biased in some way, and the holy grail is to try and find the truth. Well, but yeah. that that can be something and I, that's difficult. And as a journalist, I like I, I have no problem with bias in journalism. I mean, you know, sure. I, I you know I I don't agree with Matt Taibbi at Rolling Stone very often, but I think but but I like reading him. He's a good journalist. Yeah, as long as we're um, transparent. Right, right, and um and that's one reason I like Twitter. I can follow people from all different perspectives. I can be exposed to ideas I wouldn't have seen. I don't want anybody filtering. The Twitter feed for me and Twitter starting to take some tiptoe in that direction too, like Facebook. I want to choose my people, see what they're posting. I don't want somebody else stepping in saying, oh, did you notice this? A lot of people are tweeting about this or that. I, you know, I want to select my, my network. But I've got to say that, and this is something that I feel really strongly about that, that informs my political views, is a lot of this problem is our own problem, and that is that many of us have confirmation bias, and we only want to friend, talk to, listen to people who we fundamentally agree with already. We don't want to challenge ourselves. If we're liberal, we don't want to listen to conservatives. If we're, right. con if we're conservative, we don't want to listen to liberals. And that stuff has really got to be reduced right. if we're going to make any progress at all as a country in fixing some of our problems. And you know, and, it, and, and, and that stuff can get worse over time. Miranda, our, we were just talking to Miranda, our producer, and she was saying how, you know, a lot of people in her network, they say, well, I unfollowed this person, you know, this person person because they said something I didn't like about about this issue. They said something I thought maybe was racist about that issue. Or you know, sexist, if, yeah. Yeah, so if you start narrowing, now obviously I'm not talking about Ku Klux Klan or something, but if you start narrowing even your circle of friends and contacts because, because they're challenging your ideas, and then you don't hear from them anymore, so nobody challenges your ideas anymore. That's not a recipe for an open mind, and I do think that's troublesome. But I want to circle back to, you, you were saying, it doesn't mean that Google's evil or something like that. It doesn't. But no corporation in the history of the world has had the power they have. The information over what they know about us, who we are. And as I said during the interview with Epstein, if they wanted to destroy a politician, they could do it. You know, I'm not saying they would, but they have a power that if it was in the hands of the, the government or if if the Koch brothers were the primary investors of Google, you, you can be damn sure this would be a major national issue today. But because a lot of people in the media feel pretty sympathetic with Google's values, it doesn't come up as much as it should. I, I don't care whether it's right, left, center. I think, I think anytime any corporation has that kind of power, we should be looking closely at it. One of the things that's quite disturbing about Google is the number of lobbyists they have. They spend a great deal of money in Washington yeah. on lobbying the government. The Wall Street Journal did a recent investigation on the number of visits by their top executives to the White House. And no, they're it, and very it was cozy. Much, yeah. much bigger number than other technology companies. Right. And there was a time when the tech world was very distant from Washington. They were barely regulated. They didn't have a reason. They didn't have incentive. The, you know, the government taking that much interest in digital affairs and 
and digital companies getting that cozy with Washington. That's not that's not a recipe for for continuing the incredible boom of openness and freedom that digital technology has brought. I want I want to but I want to jump back on one thing uh, that Robert Epstein said where I, where I don't agree, which is the idea that some sort of fairness policy or equal time in search results could be imposed through government regulation. I, I think the best thing about the internet is that it's not very regulated. I'm worried about Google, but I think some kind of government oversight of, of their results would be even worse. Yeah, I like the Wikipedia example much more right. than I like it's the example It's totally of open source, control. totally transparent. It's it's done really well for many, with all its problems, it's done really well for many years. You know, and it's not a business, but, uh, but I also think he was emphasizing what we as individuals can do. You don't have to be part of the Google, you know, uh, oligarchy. You, I mean, you can step out. There are alternatives. I think maybe it's good for all of us to explore that a little bit more and, and, and you know, opt out where we can. Well, 2016 is coming up, and I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot more about digital space and the political space in shows in the future. How do we fix it? Producer Miranda Schaefer, audio engineer Denise Barbarita at Mono Lisa Studios. And our theme is by Lou Stravinsky. How Do We Fix It is a Davies Content product. We do digital audio for creative companies. Reach us at DaviesContent at gmail.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.